Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We are without the delightful Jorna Taylor. She is busy at a horse show as I believe she mentioned to all of our listeners last week. We'll, we'll look forward to having Jorna back next week. But as always, we have Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, welcome. Good morning, everyone. So it has been quite a week here in Wisconsin. Uh, the big news is the Guardian, I guess it would be on Wednesday, dropped a huge, huge article about the John Doe case here in Wisconsin. And uh, in particular, uh, there was over, I think it was over 1,300 pages of information. And of course, all of this stuff is technically illegally being leaked, but there was uh, lots of information. Some of it, I think, uh, already kind of known and out there, but the details, the documents, uh, the level of sort of uh, uh, clarity about what, what happened and who said what is uh, quite stunning. And there's a number of areas we could dive into. And uh, Robert and I will will start by saying I have not read the whole thing. But Robert, um, have you had a chance to read it all or just your, your initial thoughts? No, I've been slammed as it is. So I want to, you know, echo the great Scott Jensen, the former indicted assembly speakers sentiments here that it is absolutely outrageous that people can't corrupt our government in secret and <laughs> privacy anymore and yes. and you know how dare they uh, politicians for generations have been able to sell uh, sell the public wheel uh, to the highest bidder and for Scott Walker to have to be persecuted in this way yeah, well yeah. anyway but that is that's literally what they're saying, okay? I mean, the, the prototypical ads about the smoke-filled room with the uh, people who pull the strings joking and, and getting upset about this, they are all terribly upset that they weren't able to sell off our government, not their government, to the highest bidder to advance the career of one ambitious man because that's what we're talking about here. This should surprise none of our listeners. So we'll talk about some of the revelations, Matt, but quite frankly, we knew all this was happening, and I'll, I'll get later to the, the legal questions, but go right ahead. Yeah, and, and of course, just to remind everyone, right, like the Wisconsin Supreme Court essentially shut down this, this probe last year. Tried to have all the records destroyed. Exactly. And Always a good side. And, and of course, the big problem here is You've got two Supreme Court justices, Wisconsin Supreme Court justices, who were directly benefited from all of this activity, which, again, these, these emails totally reveal. And what's really important is they reveal that Walker knew this. Walker knew that they were responsible for these victories. And, of course, this is very important because the U.S. Supreme Court is going to consider whether they're going to take up this case potentially over the next month or so. And let me repeat, our laws say that you can't buy a legislator something of more than a dollar in value, or that's corrupting, but apparently sitting Supreme Court justices can decide on cases involving people who have spent hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars in their behalf. Oh, makes perfect sense, right? Uh, but they're, they're very independent jurists, and this would never influence any of their careful historical analysis of the statutes and the precedents. Sorry, I, I think maybe make sure, sure I mark for anyone who wants to take me out of context. Sarcasm uh, <laughs> note, sarcasm warning. <laughs> Look, it is worth pointing out that um, Milwaukee County District Attorney John Chisholm is, of course, very upset about the release of this. He has consistently maintained that, well, one, it is illegal. 
for uh, John Doe John Doe documents to be leaked. Um, so he continues to maintain, right, not really commenting on this, but certainly uh, he doesn't need to comment. His his work is certainly laid out in these emails in terms of well, what a good uh, district attorney as he is. We talked about uh, Chisholm is a very legitimate law enforcement professional and is trying to enforce the law and would not illegally leak the information. But of course, when such information is there. It's very hard to keep it under wraps, as we know. And just as we found out most everything about, say, Richard Nixon, uh, we're finding almost everything out about Scott Walker. So there's a couple of things that I want to focus in on before we move on. Um, well, one, and, and, and this is the, the big one, is the stuff around lead paint. And this is of particular interest to Citizen Action. We were involved in the lead paint lawsuits. In fact, uh, the, the lead attorney who's quoted here, Peter Earle, used to be on the Citizen Action Board before he moved out of the, out of the state. But what, what is new information here is that the lead paint industry, in a particular uh, lead paint company, donated $750,000 to, if I'm correct, the, uh, uh, the, the Wisconsin Club for Growth, specifically to impact these elections, and specifically then uh, got both Walker and, of course, the legislator to support repealing the uh, lawsuit that made lead paint owners liable retroactively. So this is obviously huge information uh, that, that's in these, uh, this new release. This is the kind of thing that a governor like Scott Walker has to sell. So literally, he made the choice. I don't know if he saw it that way as a minister's son and, and all the way he likes to present himself. But literally... The lead paint companies had money to give to him in return for escaping liability for poisoning poor kids who have had their life prospects gravely damaged by lead paint when these companies knew for decades that the lead paint was damaging and like a la the tobacco industry was hiding it from everyone. And so, it, I mean, there is no limit. If you would literally sell out right. kids who have been damaged by lead paint to advance your own petty little political career, then why should we even, why should we think of you as any person worthy of respect whatsoever or someone who has any right to hold high office? I mean, I'm not talking about legal right. I'm talking about moral right here. It is outrageous, but this is the system we have. So Scott Walker is not the chief master planning perpetrator of the corruption of government. He's just a, a little bit player taking advantage of the current system as it is and dealing with the Carl Roves and the Club for Gross and the Koch Brothers donor network and all of those folks who are really calling the shots. But it is stunning and outrageous and the way he'll stand up at a podium and act self-righteously like he is some sort of moral leader um, is amazing. We'll get Matt in a second to the legal questions, but morally, uh, the moral bankruptcy of this is stunning if you just pause and, and, and think about it. Yeah, it's worth also pointing out, you know, beyond Walker, um, we had uh, three GOP senators that had faced recalls that um, benefited from all of this money, then also voting, right? They had to vote on this, and they didn't recuse themselves. That would be Senators Darling, uh, Luther Olson, and Sheila Harsdorf, who then, of course, voted to repeal uh, or to roll back the lead paint manufacturer's responsibility. And it's also, again, worth pointing out that, Robert, remember how we used to talk about those late-night 
budget meetings. This stuff was all passed, you know, well after midnight. It was jammed in with other giveaways to special interests. Uh, and, and we talked, uh, talked about that on the podcast, how disgusting it was that our, you know, the process was, was happening this way where basically all this stuff was trying to be done, you know, uh, in the middle of the morning, you know, at 2 a.m., yeah, and all of this to defend a governor who never ran on taking away people's fundamental union rights and then caused an epic firestorm, one of the greatest uh, protests in the, in the history of American democracy, and essentially staved it off by selling off our democracy. You know what? Our government is not Scott Walker's to sell, and that needs to be made clear moving forward and through his, and through his expected reelect. Uh, we can also met, briefly talk about the legal questions, Matt. Yeah. Now, I will just say this. Uh, as our organization and in my previous life and labor movement, had, um, we'd worked on, with these laws. If I had done what Scott Walker has done in these documents, I would assume I was going to jail. And tremendous care was always taken in uh, making sure that there was no coordination. He, on the other hand, literally, according to these documents, was having people who are running massive multi-million dollar independent expenditure efforts, like Eric Keefe, Eric O'Keefe uh, from, uh, from the Club for Growth, right, to um, literally go and raise the money for him. And, they, and literally, when, when they, the mining company, right, gave huge amounts, more than we knew before. Correct, that is new information, significantly right, more money. Uh, in order to get their mine. And so government was for sale, and this is why the reason the reason the Supreme Court in its appallingly argued Citizens United case said that independent expenditures uh, could be secret, um, didn't need to be regulated in any way, is because the candidate if the candidate couldn't coordinate them, then uh, there was no corruption involved. Well, when the candidate is directing, and this is what's going on here, where to give money, and then running a unified campaign with these groups. I'm sorry, there is no, you can try to make angels stand on the pin of a needle the way the conservative alleged jurists like to make them do, but the fact of the matter is this is bribery, pure and simple, and this is at a huge scale. Now that we have big money politics at a multi-million dollar scale, and then we're supposed to pretend that none of this had anything to do with the policy, even though there are clear connections. There's one other uh, thing that's new in here that I think is it's a little bit comical, but it, 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 it's become clear that uh, Governor Walker had a lengthy interview with uh, John Chisholm. And uh, there was an interesting moment in this interview where um, Walker, first of all, he came with uh, three criminal defense attorneys, which shows he at least understood the level of risk that uh, he had. At one point, Walker was asked if members of his finance committee hit up small, medium, and large donors and corporate contributors. And Walker responded by pointing out that that would be illegal to accept corporate donations. Uh, Chisholm interrupted and injected. This was that was not a trick question. And Walker responded, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> so it's just a little bit of uh, revealing there that Walker has a, had a deep understanding of what he potentially faced here. And so it is amazing the way he is to this point not only gotten off but gotten reelected. Um, Robert, before we move on, there's one other. Uh, big piece that came came out in these uh, this new dump, and that is that after the Prosser, and this would have been the April 2011 Prosser-Kloppenberg election, and if everyone 
throws their minds in the Wayback Machine. This was when Kloppenberg, no one really knew who she was, but it was at the height of the recall activity or the um, the uprisings at the Capitol around Act 10. And she almost pulled off uh, an amazing, uh, amazing upset. But these documents show that Republican insiders were basically discussing ginning up voter fraud, which we have talked about and suggested we believe that they were absolutely doing this. And here it is. We actually have emails, including Steve Boss over at the MMAC. That's the Milwaukee <laughs> Metropolitan Association of Commerce. Just in case uh, anyone confuses them with a nonprofit, um, that they were actively saying and discussing that they needed to start messaging around widespread reports of election fraud. And, Robert, I uh, want to get your comment on this. Um, there's also a connect here to our right-wing media monopoly. And it's very clear here that Scott Jensen and others were actively talking about how they needed to work with talk show hosts, uh, not only to get this out, but to also to try to solicit stories that they could use to gin up. So uh, your comment on this, and then of course, um, this is a great segue to talk about the launch of our radioactive campaign this week. So this is what we always knew, that the dominant right-wing talk shows are part of the conservative communication apparatus, and they conspire to move message, such as we're going to gen up voter fraud, because that would be strategic at this point. And so that's why them dominating the public airwaves and having the major AM stations do nothing but propagate their propaganda and have no balance whatsoever is also a problem for our democracy. But these reveal that sleazy little world. I do enjoy the, the Scott Jensen response uh, with, to the Journal Sentinel when they asked him about his email about genning up voting fraud and talking to the talk show host. He said, the British newspapers are world famous for printing illegally obtained information. I'm disappointed now that, that is now the standard at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So that's about as non-denial a denial well, as no, I can imagine. Robert, How dare you ask me about something I put in a private email? What, what's, what's ridiculously hypocritical about this, of course, is that he would go after the British paper for somehow doing something that would be you know, illegal or improper when... He, and doesn't even respond to the fact that he's willing to gin up illegal, non-actual, you know, activity that's not actually happening. That was a private <laughs> conversation, said the mob boss. Yes, exactly. Response. I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> anyways, this look, this shows, right, that what we've been talking about, that there's a direct connect between the right-wing media monopoly and a lot of this establishment or at 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 the least they work so closely in concert with each other right they're they're basically dancing and and they fully understand what the next steps are and they are able to coordinate very well and it is definitely revealed uh in this information so robert i i mentioned this week we launched the radioactive campaign and this is a campaign to try and actually campaign to get over 200 members to join our cooperative to work on basically holding and calling out the right-wing media and uh, getting some accountability and balance in this in this town. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Well, so the idea is to break the media monopoly and uh, the right-wing media monopoly on radio, and there are two different approaches. One is an accountability project where we track these people permanently, and that would be member-run with the staff, permanent staff person helping and creating all the infrastructure, and then revealing what they're saying and exposing these media companies. Because 
Uh, no one identifies the media companies as the ones who are creating this kind of monotone propaganda that tries to impact elections one direction. The fact is they make more profits uh, and they get more audience, the more sensational and the more divisive their, uh, their hosts are. And so they are literally, it's like child labor. It's like denying people coverage with some pre-existing conditions. It's their business model to divide and to use racial appeals and other things that will drive rating points and allow them to sell more ads. And so this would un not only reveal this, but put pressure on, public pressure on these companies uh, for balance and for decent radio that is not divisive and isn't and and doesn't essentially destroy the possibility of of action as a community to deal with our most pressing problems. Uh, but then the second thing is to look at uh, possible ownership of a radio station or other f uh, forms of communication. And so this is a 60-day drive that just launched this week. Uh, you can go to our website. I'm sure we can provide a link, and you should talk to. Um, Anna Dvorak or uh, Terry Williams on our staff who are leading this effort. But we had a big kickoff at a brew pub in Milwaukee uh, this week that was very well attended and had a, had a number of uh, radio personalities there. And so if we can rate, get enough new co-op members to be part of this, then we can have a permanent strategy to take down this right-wing radio monopoly. So, Robert... Before we move on, I actually do want to get your comments on a related topic, and that is the passing of Eric Vaughn here in Milwaukee. Eric Vaughn was a critical radio voice uh, here and provided a progressive opinion and in an area where we have very little. Yeah, so you, people out, out, out of Milwaukee may not have known Eric. Uh, he was a very prominent African-American radio talk show host. He used to be on television. He had a number of different uh, uh, shows and, and series that he'd done. He was extremely, he died without warning, 58 young, years old. Young, yeah. And so he was really, uh, I was talking to uh, Judge Pedro Colon, the former state representative, yesterday at the memorial event, and uh, we can't think of anyone who brought more people together, and the room reflected that. The room had every tribe and faction of the Milwaukee community all together to commemorate Eric. And so it, it's a big loss. He was a supporter of the Radioactive Project. Uh, uh, my brother Ted and I actually were at his house for, th for three hours um, in the early summer uh, talking to him about it and being served very healthy food. So he was eating good, fruit and, good fruits and other things. And I was on his radio show uh, pretty frequently. In fact, the last interview I did with him was about Sherman Park and uh, Wiedek, uh fraudulently claiming to create jobs there, which Eric was very concerned about and spent a half hour on on his, on his popular morning show. Yeah, Eric was a unique talent, um, not only because he was a progressive voice, but the way he approached and, and did interviews, he was not someone who was a gotcha kind of person or sensationalist. He really wanted good, honest conversation and allowed people of differing views to come on and and talk and have lively, rigorous debate. And uh, that's really kind of unique, I think, uh, and, and, and critically missed. I just uh, personally, growing up here in Milwaukee, you know, to me, Eugene Kane and Eric Vaughn were the two folks who really provided a unique voice and, and a voice of the African-American community that got to white culture, right, as uh, someone who grew up in Wauwatosa and challenged, you know, us to think about, you know, a number of the issues that, quite frankly, to, 
you know, as we speak today, are really coming to a head in our city around racial issues. And so uh, Eugene is no longer writing at the Journal Sentinel, and Eric Vaughn is gone. There's, it's, it's a big loss. Um, I know Eugene is still out there and actively uh, talking on Facebook, but um, yeah, sad, very sad loss for Eric Vaughn. But again, want to encourage folks to honor Eric by signing up and getting involved in the radioactive campaign. Um, with that, Robert, we have to talk about our senator, or as one Wisconsin now likes to call him, our dumb senator, Ron Johnson. And uh, he's he's having a, let's just, this is a, kind of a horse and pony show hearing today to basically attack the Affordable Care Act. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what Ron Johnson is up to today with this ridiculous committee of his. And it goes on as we tape, and this is a hearing of the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, which Ooh. shockingly and embarrassingly for Wisconsin, Ron Johnson chairs <laughs> yeah. and says he's from our state. So he, he wants to capitalize, and the far wants to capitalize on the fact that big insurance companies, uh, your Aetna's, uh, your, your Humana's, uh, your United Healthcare's are pulling out of the Affordable Care Act marketplaces. So this is supposed to prove. So he's going to go after them. <laughs> this is supposed to prove that we should repeal health care reform and go back to the days of discrimination based on age, gender, pre-existing conditions. I, I mean, it's a non sequitur, as you're pointing out. Well, I'm very concerned about the health insurance uh, uh, industry companies as opposed to individuals. And it's now known that Aetna is pulling out because the Department of Justice tried to block its mega merger with Cigna and therefore and has, has filed suit to do so and it's retaliation which is great so these things are bigger than government right they're going to punish us and try to undermine the Affordable Care Act you know President Obama more generous to them than I would have been uh, decided to build a system that included private health insurance and they were going to operate differently they were going to profit based on only insuring healthy people and discrimination and they'd be get guaranteed business because an individual mandate and they are now showing that they are not capable of changing their business practices. So what they have been doing is finding ways to ensure healthy people off the marketplace. And then the marketplaces themselves have a lot sicker people. Then they say they're losing money there, not telling about their global profits, right? And uh, now they're pulling out. So that this is just the same gaming of the system and the refusal to insure people who actually might need to use their insurance, or at least what might be highly likely to. And so in this show hearing, they're bringing the Deputy Insurance Commissioner of Wisconsin, J.P. Weiske. And so we put out a release, we'll provide a link to it, that it points out all of the ways that the Walker administration, Mr. Weiske and his boss, Ted Nickel, the insurance commissioner, have tried to sabotage and undermine the Affordable Care Act. Then they can turn around and say, see, it isn't working, it isn't working. Uh, Wisconsin has the second highest uh, health care costs in the country, only after Alaska. And all these guys can do it, figure out how to get rid of the common sense step of trying to create a system where everyone has access to, uh, to health insurance no matter what. It's pretty laughable that you would bring anyone from Wisconsin to try to help you explain how to do anything related to health care, whether that be expanding coverage or cutting costs, because they've pretty much uh, failed on both of those fronts. Look, you know, it's becoming pretty clear to me, Robert, that these insurance companies, in spite of being dealt in, quite frankly, right. uh, to this to the Affordable Care Act and being offered an opportunity to be good corporate citizens and really help solve one of our most pressing problems, access to affordable health care, are not playing ball. And it's we really do need to push again for a public option or some type of something that can hold them accountable 
and, and provide consumers access, if right? If they won't go they play won't, ball. And if they won't do it, then it becomes Medicare for all. Yeah. So it becomes a choice. If you guys provide some value, which they claim to do, then prove it. Yeah. Prove it in competition. If you don't, and by the way, you have to close the loopholes. You can't set it up so that the public option gets all the sick people. Correct. They get all the healthy people and get to make billions of dollars. So let me briefly, really quickly, it's more detailed in the, in the press release, talk about some of the ways that the Walker administration has sabotaged the Affordable Care Act. One is, of course, turning down the Medicare. Medicaid money, not only did they deny health care to tens of thousands of people, uh, the sicker people in the batch care population signed up for the AC, ex AC exchange because they're sick and they'll pay anything in order to get in, and therefore that made it, the insurance more expensive. It raised premiums, and the insurance companies are whining that the group in the marketplace is too sick. That's one of the reasons, and a national study found premiums are 7% higher in states, including Wisconsin's, including this, that did not take the money. And they did specific research looking at I-1, Illinois, and Minnesota, and Wisconsin that established this. Uh, they tried to get a waiver from the 80-20 rule that said, very unfairly, that 80% of health insurance premiums have to be spent on actual medical care. So they need more than the 20% profit a, that, margin. That's a, one of the few things that's actually in there to try to deal with costs, if right, I'm correct. Right, right. Uh, they... Um, they allowed the insurance company to game the system by grandfathering, grandmothering in uh, substandard lemon health plans. And the result of that is, is that the people who were on those already before the Affordable Care Act tended to be healthier people. So this is a way for them to go and make profit on healthy people. So then they can whine that there are too many sick people in the marketplace. Um, research by a number of different research firms has found that that allowing this increases premiums 10%. So they're 17% higher in Wisconsin just because of those actions. Um, they've also, of course, refused to do rigorous rate review and have not found any single health insurance rate increase since this started in 2011 to be excessive. So it's Lake Wobegon insurance companies. They're all above average. Nothing to see here. And then they also tried to put, and they did put, unnecessary burdens on insurance navigators who help people sign up for health insurance. Well, what's that do? That makes less people sign up. They're, large, they're, they're, they're smaller insurance pools, and therefore they're, they're, they're less profitable, and there they're, they're are more people with you know, health conditions in them as a percentage. And so all of these are, just, are simply attempts by state officials to undermine the idea that we're going to have somewhere to go get health care no matter what, and the idea that it's fine for insurance companies to make profit as long as it's not based on discrimination. You're providing health insurance to everyone. These are all end-arounds to try to undermine that basic concept, which is I don't think it's too hard for them. I think it's too hard ethically for them, quite frankly. I think they understand the concept intellectually. They just think that they should be able to exploit people and, uh, and make as much money as possible only by ensuring uh, people they think are going to be healthy. Well, I hope that the Democratic senators on the committee today will just ask Whiskey. Whiskey, Whiskey, when he complains about how costs are rising so much. And let in me say something about Mr. Whiskey on this, right? Since you since you brought up Mr. Weiskey. There's uh, more. No, he there was gonna be a forum that the Oshkosh Northwestern newspaper had about a year and a half ago that our own organizing director Kevin Kane was on. Mr. Weiskey um, uh, pulled out and and was all aggravated and upset saying it was a setup that he was gonna be on a panel with someone from Citizen Action. So that's I just want to point out the, the kind of person that Ron Johnson is having as his lead witness today in this hearing. He sounds very bold. But I would, I would urge those Democrats on the committee just to ask wh Whiskey, I think you should be called Whiskey. Okay. Whiskey, that uh, it, why are co why are costs so high in Wisconsin? Why is he not doing his job 
since he's been given these tools to regulate, right? And why has he not found anyone's rates being too high, but yet he's sitting there complaining that costs are too high? Well, he'll walk a line Doesn't make any sense. he generally will complain about the Affordable Care Act, but he's going to praise the tremendous health insurance companies we have in Wisconsin, how wonderful and great they are, except for all the horrible things just, that are being caused by guaranteeing that everyone can have no access to these wonderful sense. insurance companies. It makes no sense. With that... We have to bring this podcast to a close. Robert? I have not had time to plan anything, Matt, but the Grassroots North Shore picnic I'm speaking at on Sunday afternoon, so I know I'll be there. I, uh, my nephew Delano is volunteering on Friday, so that's the official start of the weekend in some ways. And then um, I was thinking of going. Uh, there's a national day of, that movie theaters are doing. This is actually a really good innovation where they're showing great movies on the big screen so sunday across the country it is dr strangelove oh my probably my favorite movie ever yes. so i'm gonna try to get out to see dr strangelove i've never seen it on the big screen well that that sounds great actually where where is this happening well it's a national thing where theaters across the country are doing it so you can go on a map but there are a couple in the milwaukee area there are probably some um in other in in other parts of wisconsin but uh it's a whole it's a whole national thing um, and I believe if you, if you watch Dr. Strange of this weekend, I think the John Doe proceedings that have been yes, revealed are somewhat say. similar to the uh, deliberations <laughs> that go on in the war room <laughs> in that movie. Oh, well, I'll have to check it out. Hopefully, maybe they will uh, do Citizen Kane. I'd love to see that. This weekend, well, you know, Robert, part of the reason I haven't had a chance to dive into the 1,300 pages is it's election season, and we're just incredibly busy here at Citizen Action, and uh, I'm spending a lot of time preparing for a unique canvas that we're going to be doing, where we're going to be going in and talking to uh, voters who maybe haven't made up their mind, aren't really base Democrats or Republicans about the economy, and really trying to find out where people are at. Um, and talk to them about why we think the rigged economy, uh, trade, outsourcing, and all of these are critical issues uh, for folks when they go vote. If you're interested in that, we're going to launch that next Saturday, and uh, feel free to reach out to me at matt.brusky, B-R-U-S-K-Y, at citizenactionwi.org if you're interested in that. So I'll be spending some time this weekend preparing for that, and I also have some dirt track races at Ostalon. It is a doubleheader this weekend, so we'll be out at the track with the whole family. And with that, want to thank Brian Wildridge, who makes the podcast happen every week. And uh, Robert, of course, glad you could be here this week. Jorna, I don't know where you are. I, you know, I do. Okay, she you're with the horses. horses. Jorna, we hope you're having fun with the horses. And we'll see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.